Hey, 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 hey. You know, I actually listened to my podcast yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And uh, I don't think it, the, the audio seemed a little bit low. But anyway, it's out there. I had to turn the volume way up. It's uh, Monday morning, 81 degrees at 6.37 in the morning here. 81, 64% humidity. So 81, 64, what do we got for a dew point temperature? 81, 64, 2.68. We've been here before with a dew point of 68. And it's not... 81, you'd think, is fairly cool, and it, it is fairly cool. But it, it says it feels like 84, but 84 is still cool, too. But it is September, what is it, September 9th? Yeah. And here we are, we're outside the gate, and Bud is ready to walk. And I'm thinking... Right? I'm ruminating. Maybe I'm going to call this the ruminating pod episode. Episode whatever. Rumination. For myself. And, uh, yeah, what, am I, what have I observed in the last 24 hours? Well, I went to exercise yesterday at the gym. That's always good. Go lift for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. The weights don't lie, whatever the number is, you just keep pushing it. So I did that, and uh, some uh, reading. I decided to pick up a book called, uh, what is it, uh, Bob Goff. Uh, not Love Does, but that's his first book, and this is his second book. Everybody? Something like that? Let's see. I wonder what it is called now that I think about it. It's something everybody. Everybody what? Let's see. I'll find out here in a second. All right. All right. Looking at coffee machines. Made some coffee this morning. Coffee is a theme. Coffee is a, a subject. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment. And... Uh, Podcasting, yeah. So this is a book called Everybody Always. Everybody Always, Becoming Love in a World Full of Setbacks and Difficult People. So, yeah, it's a lot of stories. Bob Goff, interesting fellow. He's pretty far out there along the line of uh, becoming love. I'd say he's pretty advanced. And being loving. And being loving is probably like being a marathon runner. That uh, you do what you can. You do with what you were given. I'm not going to be a two-hour and ten-minute marathon runner ever. If I could ever get sub four hours, I would be really happy. But think about that. The best marathon runners, the guys running the race to win are two hours and ten. But we run the marathon to do our personal best, the PR, personal record PR. So uh, there you go.
And Doug, Doug, you're up early, man. Yeah. Well, that's good. You got projects to work on. Excellent. Well, that's other people's projects. Did you say? Well, that is that's work, man. Other people's projects. Yeah, other people's projects. That's the life of the the planet. All right. All right, have a good day. Okay. Let's go, bud. Uh, so there are oh, some nice hummingbirds. There we go. Some hummingbirds up there on the on Doug's Doug's water fountain that he could sit outside in the front on his nice chairs and enjoy the, the hummingbirds and water. But he's got projects. He's got other people's projects to to solve, and uh, he will do them, and he will get paid for them, and that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so, so in my unemployment search, it's the I don't know I don't know if I talked through this or not, but uh, the it's sort of frustrating for me because I. You know, someone told me, well, you're overqualified for customer program manager, right? So think about that, customer program manager. So that could be anything, really, right? So you don't, you get a little job description and uh, you get, you get uh, some understanding of the company, what they do, right? But every, every business has customers, right? So customer program manager so the customer spending money getting a service and uh, they have to have someone there to answer the phone take the emails do the paperwork process whatever the business does what's the value add so in this case it's repairing old engines that need to be maintained and fixed up so the customer program manager in that case, you know, looks after some airline, could be in Asia, South America. So I apply for it. I mean, I've got 20 some years in aerospace and then um, she's the woman said, well, you're just overqualified for it. And it turns out basically that what that means is, is they're willing to pay maybe like 90 grand a year and uh, I'm looking for, I kind of got spoiled because I got 160 grand a year. And even that, I'm probably underselling myself uh, that I'm probably worth more than 160 grand. <laughs> so, and and, and the th this is the tough stuff about, I'm coming to the realization about business and being an entrepreneur. And I had a really, to me, it's kind of a fascinating little self-discovery, but it's probably a little like, like why do we discover things so late in life? But anyway, um, what it comes down to is like, well, they have a business. They have like 100 employees. And they have so much revenue. And they determine like, well, what is this job worth to them? And this job is probably worth 80 to 90 grand. And that's what it's worth to them. 
And so it's a mindset shift. I'm still going through it. I don't have the perfect mindset at all. I'm not, I'm not claiming I have like the perfect mindset. But, you know, I'm like, I kind of need a job, you know, and all this. I got bills to pay, you know. So uh, it's kind of a bummer that, you know, they're only willing to pay 90 grand because I understand the business, but they don't need someone to understand the business, I guess, you know, understand the engine. So the trick for me is finding out who, who needs what I have to offer, who needs the knowledge I have or the experience or my personality. That's the other thing too, is on all these job hunting things, it's personality, aptitude, and experience. So I don't think my personality is that atrocious but maybe it's just the the fit then right it's like they talk about this magical thing called the fit do you fit well to me the fit means do i get along with the management the the uh culture and that's a magical thing right the culture of the company so i guess i could get cynical you know and say well what is the culture of this company well probably like as in most businesses is to make a profit right but then the real culture is probably the, the important part of culture question is probably how willing is the management willing to share the profits with the people they've hired to make the profits right so and uh And that's that. So I'm looking at a Tesla. So quiet, the Tesla. But all the kids are getting ready for school now. And uh, so the company culture, how how much, how willing are they to share the profits with the employees? Now, most companies probably don't. They're like, no, we got shareholders. We got to answer to the shareholders, blah, blah, blah. That's the big corporations. So then you're just your salary. You become a salary slave, as some say. Just slave to the salary and the budget and what they're willing to offer. So, you know, I had a, a discussion with a recruiter last week. And they're like, well, what, what's your salary range you're looking for? And I'm like, well, my last job was 160000 They're like, oh, well, they're... They're looking to be paying between 80 and 90. And I'm like, eh, it's a bit of a pay cut. I might, I might, 120 is probably not bad, you know, but I haven't had the discussion and they're probably not willing to do that. Even for the magnanimous, wonderful me and my wonderful personality, which has a little bit of sarcasm to it. But hey, you know, sarcasm has some value. <laughs> I think it does. And so then you get into this, like, all these interviewing techniques. There's so much stuff on the internet and I've participated in it. And a lot of it makes sense, but I, I mean, I'm kind of getting tired of it, of like, you know, tell me about a time when you did this and this and this, you know. It's like, look, here's my personality. This is who I am. I can learn things. Look, if there's anything on aptitude, dude, I can aptitude just about anybody. Okay, I know how to speak German. I can learn French. I learned French already. 
I'm not expert at these things, but I have an aptitude. If it needs to be done, I'll figure it out, right? Which actually sounds a lot like an entrepreneur, right? And then it gets back to ownership, right? So here's my interesting little framing of, of situations, right? So um, my wife has a cousin who has a, two sons, and they've been running a coffee business in Germany for 20 years. And they're fascinating brothers, and we just visited them again this summer. He, he, he came to Arizona like five years in a row. He'd come here, just check in, and then he would um, drive to California, which is a smart thing to do because you don't want to. Because he, he, coffee business is down in Germany in August, and visiting Arizona in August is not a good idea. So, But he was like, hey, this is the time I can come, so I'm coming. And he would travel California and see stuff over there. And then he would come back to Arizona and then fly back to Germany. All in one week. Very unusual for a German. But he's not your typical German because he's selbstständig. Okay, selbstständig. I love these German words. That's self-supporting, self-employed type of thing. So he's been running this business really lean, lean, lean manufacturing, he and his brother. And Germans have all kinds of labor laws and social costs of hiring people. So they really try not to hire anyone. They do, they have gotten to the point where they have like, I don't know, two or three employees. His father worked for him a little bit, his mother. Uh, it's a family business, so that's what they do. And then I realized, okay, well, my situation of like going to work for this company and they're only willing to pay 80 or 90 is because someone kind of owns the business and they figure, hey, that's, that's only worth 80 or 90,000 to me. That's it. And it's kind of like bagging beans. So this roasting beans, I videotaped it like 10 minutes. I know it takes longer than that, but the basic process is you get 100 pounds bags of green beans from all over the world. In this case, they happen to come into Hamburg, which is kind of interesting. And so then they, get, they are about a six-hour drive or so from Hamburg. So somehow they get the beans down to where they are. And uh, then they, they put in the roaster about, I don't know, anywhere from 50 to 80 pounds at a time. And they have a little blend and they have a process and they roast for 20 minutes or so. And then they, they're roasted and then they let them cool for 24 hours and they bag them. So they probably look at that and go, you know, we want to get some baggers in here. And they're basically going to stand there and put beans in there in the bags, in one pound bags. So they just roasted one day, you know, they, they probably do three batches a day or something like that. So that's what I say, 80, say 80, so 240 pounds of coffee a day. So they're probably bagging yesterday's coffee at 240 pounds. So they got to they gotta fill up 240 of these one pound bags. And so they're probably going, well, we're willing to pay somebody 50 or 60 grand, which is that's German wages. That's probably what they do in the U.S., at, even at 15 bucks an hour, it's 30 grand. But then you got some social costs, insurance, unemployment insurance, stuff like that. 
So it ends up being, call it 40 grand. So they're basically willing to pay somebody 40, 50 grand to do their bagging. And that's what they think it's worth. You know, they look at the skill it takes and blah, blah, blah. But the interesting thing is when they don't want to hire the person or they don't want to hire another one and they end up doing it themselves, see? So they're willing to do the bagging themselves because they're like, well, I can do this bagging. I'll do it. It needs to get done. You know, they have customers. They got to make deliveries. And they don't, they don't think about like, oh, I'm only getting paid 50 grand to do this a year because they don't think of it in those terms because they own the whole thing. They're entrepreneurs. They own the business. This is where ownership comes in. So, yeah, they're like, I, I need someone has to bag this stuff. I'm going to do it. I'm only willing to pay somebody 50 grand to do it. But I, when I have to, I'm going to do it myself. And at the end of the year, when it's all over with, they've sold probably a million and a half dollars worth of coffee. And they add up their costs. Hey, you want to say hi, bud? Here's Katie's back. Yeah. Katie's back, September 8th. Katie usually goes, there's a dog behind a fence. And Bud and Katie get along pretty well. Katie usually goes up north for the summer. So they must have determined that it's cool enough now to come back, come back down the mountain. Isn't that a wonderful life, huh? So um, the back to the ownership thing, they're like, well, we own the company. So we, sp- we, we probably sell a million and a half to $2 million with coffee. The beans cost, who knows, like 400000 or something. No, it'd probably be like 450000 for the beans. So you subtract that off. Then you got the equipment, the rental of the building, the electricity, all the stuff, and the few people you pay. And then you got the two brothers that own it, so they split the quote-unquote the profit. So I'm thinking they're probably getting like two to three hundred grand a year roasting coffee. Now it took them a long time, right? I don't know, to get going. They're, um, I like what they do. They focus on just roasting the best method possible, and they have their process. And they have, I don't know, 100, 150 customers, and they sell 10 pounds or 20 pounds of coffee each week to 100 different customers. And there's probably an 80-20 rule where 20% of their customers probably buy 80% of their coffee, stuff like that. But the thought came to me, is like, well, yeah, I don't mind. He doesn't mind bagging the coffee himself for a couple hours if he needs to. Because he's paying, he's, he's paying himself 200 grand. So he's actually bagging coffee at uh, 200 grand a year which is a lot different than if you show up to work and get paid 50, right? So here's another dog. I might have to say hello. I have to. Hi, good morning. You guys want to sniff a little bit? No? Well, she's kind of mean. Kind of mean? Okay. Hey, all right. All right. You guys have a great day. Come on, bud. Let's go, bud. That's it. 
That's it, buddy. So, um, bag and coffee at 50 grand. So, I'm like, well, program manager, customer program manager, 80, 90 grand. The owners of the company have said, that's all this job is worth to us, man. And uh, I guess in big corporations, which, let's face it, I'm not politically astute to figure shit out in these corporations. I probably make all kinds of bad assumptions. And reading Bob Goff helps because it's like, hey, man, we're all failures. We all make failures. We make <laughs> bad decisions and we fail. So it's just not my thing, corporate America. It's, it's sad because on the one hand, it is my thing because I know you can't make, I love making aircraft engines. I mean, being part of that. It's just that you're not an entrepreneur in that. I mean, you, you, uh, you just, you're part of this big cog in the machine. And I always felt like I should move higher up or whatever, but I didn't know the politics of it, how to do it. So I'm kind of screwed in a way. I don't know if it's screwed, but it is what it is, right? So I should look at it more like, yeah, that's not your thing. That's not your tribe to do corporate America and stay in this tiny swim lane of activity when I'm interested in everything. When I'm interested in the whole process. I'm interested in the manufacturing of it. The, all the, the prior parts, process, how that magical engine shows up at the end of the day. So I'm looking at this wall now. We got a wall out here, a sound barrier wall to protect us from this soon-to-be-opened freeway. Supposedly in less than three months it'll be operating. Here it is September 9th. It's supposed to be late 2019, so that means three months from now. So we'll see how that goes. It's, uh, that's actually kind of an interesting curved wall down there. That's nice. So it'll be fun to drive on that and see what that's like. Getting close. So what else? So I'm I'm faced with the low income positions. You know, it's like how do you find these higher paying jobs where they're valued more? And it's kind of arbitrary, really, when I think about it. Like, you know, they, it, it, if it's something's if it depends if you can teach someone to do something and it's just like putting beans in a bag then maybe it's only worth 40 to 50 grand a year to put bags in a bean in a, or um, beans in a bag and that's fine you know some people are really happy to do that you know and uh and i guess maybe i'm just entrepreneurial and I just I'm avoiding it I keep looking towards corporate America or companies and my big failure I feel stupid was working for this company where I really liked the chasing tail chasing corporate jets that was really fun but it was a bogus company and I was too stupid to realize this is a bogus company I was just enthusiastic about doing this job and selling something that I saw had a great value proposition. It's just the concept I, I helped create it. Basically, I did create it. But it. I just copied it, right? So settlers, 
I definitely wasn't a pioneer, but I still got shot being a settler. <laughs> so, so if the one podcast listener is listening, one corollary to all these, you know, uh, pioneers get shot, settlers make the money or settlers get the land, take the land. Um, I was a settler, but I was kind of a pioneer too at the same time. I guess you could spin it either way. Pioneer cutting in on the settlers business. So I got shot by the settlers really. I still got shot, but I was trying to, it was was a settling type business. Settler wasn't the first, we weren't the first ones to do it, to offer it. So, um, there you go. Maybe I should uh, check those guys out. But uh, yeah, that's another, I just had a thought. And uh, so, what else? Um, Ruminations. So, the... I'm still thinking of that German coffee because the guy's got a good shtick going. And it's kind of like we can analyze it. I can look at it. It's a different market here in the U.S. And Arizona's hot. And just like he said, people drink less coffee in Germany in August. So it's like August, uh, six months of the year here. So, but people still drink coffee. There's Starbucks. But we're not really competing about against Starbucks. It's a real niche, niche thing. And uh, it's good. It's a high-quality product. And it's really not that much more expensive, too, right? So you look at the cost and the price. So it's a niche You know, maybe it's... Maybe you can buy bags for 10 bucks a pound, and these guys want to sell for 12 So technically, it's 20% more. But if you start looking at the bigger picture, um, and the reason why he just niches on roasting is he doesn't really want to run a coffee shop because this way he focuses on he just focuses on doing the um, roasting and doing that scientifically and dialing in on that and coffee shop people want to sell muffins bagels donuts pastries whatever else sandwiches whatever they want to do they want to sell that, and uh, that's what they do. So, whether they spend ten bucks a bag or twelve bucks a bag, kind of doesn't matter as long as it gives the impression of high quality. And it's really hard to tell. Like, oh, this coffee tastes better than that one. The selling point is like it's low acidity because he roasts over a longer period of time, like a mass producer of coffee will they're incentivized to cut the roasting time shorter to to get the volume move the product through so they probably roast twice as long at a lower temperature you can increase the temperature of the roast to speed up the roasting of the beans but you tend to get higher acidic acidity in the roast so they do that. And of course, there's sources of beans from all over the world. And over 20 years, he's kind of dialed in on certain blends of things. So he's kind of got it dialed in. 
and he's got his customers. And it's a beautiful business for him because he doesn't, with his weird German labor laws, he's not interested in increasing capacity because increasing capacity means increasing equipment and or more labor, and he doesn't want to do that. So what he does is he says, look, I'm just going to raise the price of the product from 12 bucks a bag to 13 bucks a bag or 13.50. And so most people say, okay, we'll just pay the, I really like it. It's good service. Customers like it. So we'll just pay the extra amount. And he said, some customers drop off, but he's got a waiting list because he can't supply everybody because he's at capacity. So if some customer drops, he just picks up another one and cuts them off and says, okay, well, if you don't want to pay $13.50, then I'll just uh, move it to somebody else. So that, uh, that works. It works for him. So that's very good. And uh, so lessons learned from this is this, there's a, well, I'm, I'm grappling with it, right? So I feel like I should do this. I should just jump in and do, do this and uh, get it going. And that, that's the other thing is you don't have to get it perfect. You just got to get it going type thing. But it is uh, some investment of things and risk, of course, right? So I'm thinking of that, but then again, I, you know, maybe an 80, 90,000 hour job and just make it limited to 40 hours and get the side hustle going, get a side hustle. It's undefined exactly what the side hustle is. And, uh, you know, that's my process and I'm in my head a lot man so anyone listening to this is just like oh this guy it's just so much in his head well that's because I I got baggage I got I got investment in education which I thought was a smart investment but and it was an easy investment for the most part you know you invest in the time anyway that's one thing I did do is I invested time in getting like an MBA. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to pay for it. So I guess I got a lot out of uh, that big corporate <laughs> corporation. But now it's like, well, use it. Use that MBA. Use that concepts. I, I'm plenty. I have plenty of smarts, right? I'm sizing up the competition and things. Hey, back again. Hey, ferocious roar there. Okay, let's go, bud. Come on. So, uh, size up competition, differentiation. How does it work here? What's different about Germany from Arizona? Analyze, 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 and you get analysis or paralysis by analysis, right? So I'm very susceptible to that. On the other hand, in the side hustle world, my personal experience with faith and spiritual things is still in process so I've got that to deal with and uh, yeah major breakthroughs in the last week or so with 
negative self-talk, which I've talked about and still working through because these things don't go away easily. So that's the marination of the thing. So I got a call tomorrow with the book coach. And I'm sure she'll be really kind and, and supportive, right? Because she's probably got a big funnel. <laughs> and that's, that's the other thing, the whole funnel concept. So she's probably got a nice funnel going. So she'll spend a little bit of time with me, you know, keep the plate spinning. I'm in the funnel. But I'm just not ready to finish. I mean, I'm close. I mean, I, I want to talk through a few ideas because I basically feel like, okay, I did this first draft. And I know they, they talk about shitty first draft, but what is, I mean, I'm this is where the analysis comes in. I'm thinking that I see where it's shitty because I just basically have all these damn stories about shit that people don't really aren't really going to care about. They probably won't relate to them, so i got to cut that shit out or focus it. Like, what am I, what's the transformation I'm offering? And that's where I'm like, well, I'm, I'm in the process of transformation. And I suppose Bob Goff, that's what he would admit to, that he's just in the process of transformation. He just has better stories to tell than I, than I do, or different. Maybe they're not any better. They're just, he was um, blessed to have certain experiences in his life. So he was able to tell his stories his way. And it, and it's sort of, I don't know, it, his book is interesting stories, but I'm still like, well, can you wrap this up into some kind of um, principles that we might bring to our lives? But then again, he's probably, he's not that kind of guy. So his philosophy seems to be, look, this whole thing is so simple. Just love people, right? Just love people. Now he, Grammatically, and then with the language, he says, love everybody always. I think we'll, there's probably some issue with some of this stuff. with Because he gave a talk at Willow Creek Church probably before some of this stuff was written. I don't know. But Willow Creek adapted this thing to a campaign a couple years ago. where I first picked it up before Bob Goff. Before I even heard of Bob Goff. I heard of love everyone Always. So there's probably some grammatical um, license here. And there's probably a correct way of doing it, which is, you know, it's this is kind of funny because it probably is love everyone always. That probably makes more sense than love everybody always. So maybe I'll Google that and look it up. I'm sure the writing geniuses and editors and stuff would probably know the answer to that. But I have my suspicions, like, is he using love everybody always type of thing because he lost the everyone always thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm suspicious. I'm kind of like, maybe that's it. Maybe he's using everybody instead of everyone because somebody else owns the everyone. I don't know. Who knows? Kind of crazy. Can one word, like everyone, everybody, change things? Probably. And Bob's a lawyer, so he knows this stuff. He is a lawyer. Lawyers are big on language, so he's probably really good with language. And reading his books, I can tell he's 
quite good with the language. So I probably have a lot of similarities with old Bob. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I sense his dissatisfaction with a lot of church things, but it's not a big deal to him. He just moves on. He's doing his thing, which is a good lesson for me, right? Just move on, do my thing. I mean, one of his messages is don't try to correct people. But, you know, like if you have a disagreement with them, just, you know, it's not about being right. It's how much love can we have. So, yeah. So do I, I don't really, Bob has shows no signs of an axe to grind. But he, he, he also recognizes his struggle with it. And he talks about how he has to carry around a bucket of patience, an empty bucket that reminds him he's got to be patient because he's impatient. We all are. And this is my my framework of the Gaussian distribution that he's probably on the one end of that distribution and he recognizes he can do better with patience. So he's just moving in that direction. So he doesn't really have the framework I like, which is the distribution curve so I'm kind of saying some similar things but I'm trying to make it more like what does the reader take away from it so I'll finish reading his book because he's got good stories in there and the the principles that keep coming over and over again are don't be a jerk you know just love people do things right do stuff and for someone like me in my head, I'm in my head, so I'm not quote unquote doing things. I mean, I think to me, thinking and processing is doing. But if it's just stuck in my head, then it's not really doing anything. If I can articulate it, write it, which I probably can do, I just don't realize it. I need to get it done, get it out there. You know, in some ways, I just get it done. But I want it to be quality now. Just get it started versus perfection. Yeah, there's some of that. But the book has to be really good. It can't be my ranting about shit and complaining about small little church things. I mean, it's like, how big is it, right? Like, the fact that I'm really pissed. I mean, this fits in with Bob Goff. He'd probably be pissed, too. Dudes criticizing other Christian people. You know, then they get into the fine lines of like, well, you know, I'm going to criticize this guy and because he's not really a Christian and he's a false teacher. And I'm like, and, and so they feel justified in criticizing someone and saying, oh, they're a false teacher. It definitely divides people, you know. And to say that from... I'm, a, I'm kind of critical because it's like you say that from the pulpit of a church that somebody else is a false teacher and it's not, and you don't provide solid evidence. You just, you, you base it on, they're not part of my quote unquote tribe, but they might just as they might actually be part of God's family, right? So. Why do that? But see, there's a double-edged sword there because I criticize the criticizers, you know? 
So, so this guy, this guy criticizes that dude, and yet, um, I say a couple weeks later on Easter Sunday of all days, Easter Sunday, false teaching. You know, nobody says anything. I could. I mean, I have to do the stupid Matthew 18 thing apparently. But, uh, you know, that's what it is. And uh, so they, they probably, people don't care. I'm, I'm getting kind of cynical, too. It's like people don't care about my observations. So I have to, like, figure out, well, what can I, what do I have to offer that people will care about? And the, the big picture of it is walking in the Spirit. And my new marinated epiphany is, well, there's, you can either walk in the Spirit of God or, and, and, and hang on to that because there's another spirit of, of uh, negativity, enemy, lies. And I'm, I notice I've been affected by it. Because if I was free of all that negativity and, and I was like convinced like I am speaking from a position of of what God really wants, then I would be ignoring those negative thoughts. So I'm in the Bob Goff world, it's like it's not I'm not gonna achieve perfection to defend my beliefs. My beliefs are we need more walking in the spirit and not information sharing and we need more coaching loving so to me loving is kind of like coaching people to do better some people i kind of simply say oh it'd be the best version of yourself well there's there's some truth to that but what does that really mean and if the best version of yourself doesn't stack up very well to other people in your swim lane, well, what does that do for you? So, we're near the end of the walk here, so I'm just going to put this uh, stuff away and end the podcast. From a personal standpoint, I'm not quite as hot as I normally would. I am perspiring a bit, so I'm a bit uncomfortable. And uh, I will need a few minutes to cool off. But uh, I walk this out. I walk with Bud. Bud's happy. Took care of his business. He needs that every day for 30 minutes a day. So stacking disciplines, maybe. So this is one of my 30 to 45 minute disciplines is walking the Bud. And why do I do that? I don't know. He's a pretty cute little doggy. Does he bring joy? Does he bring me 30 minutes, hour of joy every day? Probably. And maybe relationships are like the the bagging of the the coffee beans. Wow, that's here's a deep thought. So we got Bud, a dog. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't reason with me. He gives me no feedback other than he's happy. So, which, 
which is pretty good feedback in this world. <laughs> and you think of all your relationships. Dogs are like, they're always ready to give you some positive resonating frequency vibes back to you. So that's the dog. So yeah, that's highly valued. But it's like, is it coffee bean? Bag Is Bud more like the, he's only worth the, He's only worth fifty thousand a year to bag bag coffee beans. To some people, he is. So that gets back to what's the worth of customer program manager? What's it worth to you? And uh, that's how that is. And perhaps I'm, I do make things a hell of a lot complicated because I'm analyzing, right? Analyzing. So those are my ruminations today. I think I will end the podcast there. Ruminations. And even though I have, what do I have today? I had talked about, didn't not talk more. I talked more about value. I don't know what I talked about. What did I talk about? Entrepreneurship. I'll go with ruminations. So everybody have a great day. May you be blessed. Maybe there's some gems in there for you. Bye.